Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. I'm Don Helbig, along with Ryan Sir. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, Ryan, I've been looking at your social media posts the past few days, and uh, notice you've been going to a lot of um, like theater plays. Um, so, what have you seen lately? You know, it's uh, uh I enjoy going. Uh, it's uh, me and my girlfriend. That, that's kind of our night out. We go about once a month or so. So, we've seen a lot. Um, recently a guy we've seen a lot recently normally we don't go this often really but uh in the last month or so we've seen anastasia annie and les miserables with i'm sure you're gonna ask which one's my favorite les miserables my favorite because it's got yeah i i I like that one too ryan and um you know i heard annie was pretty good it was good it was um the kids were adorable and incredibly talented and we were in the very front row she got me that for uh for my birthday so we were uh all the way on the right side so stage left in the very front row. So, uh, you know, kind of like uh, with, with this, it's no exception to like what I kind of talk about with the theme park stuff right. where I, I'm really kind of more concerned with how things work and why they do it the way they do it than what's actually going on on stage in a lot of instances. So to be able to sit there and look down on the orchestra pit and watch them work and how they operate was super interesting. But it was, yeah, it was really cool. Um, so we've seen a lot. Uh, I've got uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to Columbus to see Beetlejuice, which is one I've really looked forward to. So that's more of an adult oriented kind of uh, R-rated one with a couple of F-bombs and stuff. So that's modern theater for you. How have you been? I've been doing well, you know, um, just uh, had a chance to watch all the XFL football games this past weekend, you know, to see how that uh, league was doing. It was great to see former Bengal A.J. McCarron, mm-hmm. you know, rally his team in the fourth quarter. That's what A.J. does. And uh, just, you know, happy that he's getting a chance to just play football and hopefully it works his way back into the NFL. Yeah, awesome. Well, so we're at the top of the show. So let's uh, remind everyone that uh, if you well, first of all, thank you for being here, of course. Uh, if you're watching our video version, then thank you. If you prefer the audio version, then you can check us out on any of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, if you want to do the video, which is a lot more fun because you can see our smiling faces, then search on YouTube for the Attractions Group Podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at Attractions underscore GRP. Now, we do have a special guest today, but I want to show something off before we get started. Is that okay? That's fine. Perfect. Okay. So we had Chris Roberry on from the National Roller Coaster Museum, and he was kind of talking about um, some of the stuff that they have in their merch store. And I started talking to him on the side um, about different things and like different ideas. And so I started mm-hmm. sp- uh, going through and I was like, there's a lot of cool stuff. So I did end up spending some of my hard earned money uh at the national roller coaster museum's online store uh so this is really cool we discussed this on the show uh this is a 3d printed schwarzkopf logo so schwarzkopf obviously is a classic roller coaster manufacturer this is made out of plastic but it's really kind of cool he mentioned that some people want to stick it on their car so it looks like it's like a schwarzkopf brand car or schwarzkopf model car so that's really neat um but here's the one that's probably a little bit more widely appealing i got this uh this See this here, this uh, poster. I, I know for you audio listeners, you're kind of missing out here, but um, you know this was uh, this is actually like on a really thick kind of a Bristol board. So I'm really happy with the quality. You can see Big Bad Wolf down here that I never got to mm-hmm. ride, and I think that's is that it's not Matterhorn, what, what not Space Mountain. Which one is this at Disneyland? He said they have the car. It's hard for me to see on your. I'm so sorry. It's two seater. there, but 
Okay, but anyway, we got. I want to say Matt. I want to say maybe it is Matt. And then they got old Texas Giant, and then this is something else. This is this may be just some sort of generic thing, but really, really cool. So check out uh, the National Roller Coaster Museums for some really, really cool objects. And he actually showed me some stuff of uh, like they've got like a National Amusement Device, like a generic National Amusement Device train that's made out of that balsa wood. So that's that's kind of cool too. Don, what do we got yeah, going on today? The, yeah, I checked out the store yeah. too. Uh, you know, after we had Chris on and some things I want to buy, but uh, have to wait until uh, after July. I have a daughter that's getting married, so all my extra cash right now is going uh, to pay for that wedding. But uh, we have a special guest tonight, as you mentioned, uh, Coaster101.com. It's your online destination mm -hmm. for all of the ins and outs and twists and turns of roller coasters and the amusement industry. And joining us is one of the team members at Coaster101, Andrew Stillwell. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Ryan, Don, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm happy to be here and um, looking forward to a great evening of chatting for sure. Now, if you guys want a, a sign of maturity, as uh, as we pointed out before we started recording, Andrew's the first person to show up to the show as a guest wearing the proper attire, wearing a nice, not exactly Hawaiian shirt, but definitely tropical looking. So thank you. It's kind of like when the, the five-year-old kid takes a bath without having to be asked and you're just so proud of him. So thank you so much for your compliance, Andrew. Absolutely. You guys can, you can thank past guest, uh, Chris Roberry Cause I was listening to the episode with him fairly recently. I know he, uh, I believe he changed mid show into his Hawaiian shirt, but I decided, you know, to save everybody the effort of me changing live on a podcast. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, bring the closest thing I have to a Hawaiian shirt, which is kind of this, uh, bird of paradise. Hey, print. I think that shirt. they would accept you as one of their own in Hawaii. Okay. So, um, Let's talk about Coaster 101. So great website. Uh, a lot of times, you know, when I'm looking for like pick six articles and stuff, essentially, you know, a little behind the scenes. I don't think this is too big of a secret, but I search for theme park news. Coaster 101 often comes up with its articles. So how did it get started and how did you get involved in the team? Yeah, so back in 2005, uh, pre-YouTube, uh, there was this guy, John Stevenson, who... I believe was 11 or 12 years old at the time, 12, 13, something like he's a teenager living in his parents' house. And he was a, like a lot of uh, kids in our generation in this fandom um, had an interest in roller coasters. And he kind of created this website um, all the way back in 05. And just over the years, it's kind of continued to grow. We've added members to the team. Um, but, you know, like you guys mentioned it, it is kind of that um, the ins and outs, twists and turns of roller coasters in the amusement industry. And, you know, when I describe it to people, we, I try to say we do a lot of words that end in EWS. So we do news, reviews, interviews, um, other words, other things, you know, that don't end in EWS. But um, we try to cover a big, um, big portion of the industry itself, big industry news. You know, we're not necessarily regurgitating every press release out there, but we are, you know, trying to come up with our own unique content. And that's more of the written word and pictures, kind of that old school mentality. Um, we're trying to get a little bit more into video right now, but we're also in our, you know, most of us are in our early thirties, late thirties. And 
we're trying to adapt slowly but surely it's not really happening that well but we're uh, we're getting there and then how i got involved uh actually it was it's gonna be 10 years ago this october which seems unreal at this point um but coaster 101 had a photo contest on twitter and i was you know i had followed them on i think i saw it on screamscape followed them on twitter uh, they had this photo contest, which I ended up winning in the mobile photo category uh, with this photo of Loch Ness Monster that I think was taken on like a TI-83 Plus calculator. It was just not the world's greatest quality, but somehow I won, and it was cool, got my prize back, but they, I stayed following Coaster 101, and they were looking for writers. And I was a creative writing minor uh, in college, and had always had this interest in theme parks. Uh, I grew up in South Florida uh, where Orlando was a day trip for us. So we went up and down a fair amount as a kid. And then I moved to North Carolina right about the time I kind of caught that coaster bug. So I'd always had this interest in the industry, always really enjoyed writing. And I saw this as a way to kind of have that creative outlet and kind of marry the two passions together. And so I sent them an application, um, you know, writing sample, things like that. Uh, they took me, took me under their wing, and then the rest is uh, rock and roll history. I mean, we have kind of, again, continued to grow the site. It was, um, I have the traffic numbers from that first, you know, three months in uh, 2013 that I wrote, October, November, December. And then there are, you know, literal months in the past years that, you know, double and triple the um, total traffic of those three months in 2013. So, uh, right place, right time, but I, it's one of my, what I call my passion projects and, uh, it's just a blast and we've grown the team to, I believe eight people now, and we're kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the, the quick version, I think, and I feel like I rambled a ton there, but that is the quick version. (laughs) Andrew, you know, I find Coaster 101 to be one of the most well-rounded industry websites out there, you know, just a lot of great content out there, you know, and like I said, it's all over the the map and what you cover, but if you're someone and you go to your website, how often would they go to your website and find new content? Is it something like every day there's something new published or once a week? It really depends. In, In the past, it's been, I will say, a lot um busier on our site and we we try you know this is it is a side project passion project for all eight of us i mean we there is you know not like a steady income we we do this because we enjoy uh being able to communicate about the industry and write and kind of flex that creative muscle a little bit um we try to keep it updated you know as as news comes out we shoot for you know, five to seven articles a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, but it, it really depends kind of on the news cycle. Obviously, there are days, you know, as Six Flags or Cedar Fair has their big announcement day in the fall, or Cedar Fair does, Six Flags used to. Um, you know, you'll see eight or nine pieces of content just go up on the site in one day because every every article has its own story and all things like that. But in times like this, you know, we're in, in mid-February to kind of date this. Uh, some of the parks are open. Most of the parks have made their announcements for 2023. Uh, we're trying to focus a lot on interviews and things like that, but it's also, it comes down to really for us uh, time. 
and you know we're all we're all traveling but at the same time we as i mentioned are most of us uh, adults in our 30s we have families um you know i have a fiance i know several of the other guys have you know wives and kids um and then you know we're we're trying to get out there but it it is it is sometimes it's more difficult than others and i know you guys probably you know live that life a little bit maybe with this podcast i don't know um sounds like you got a pretty good recording schedule down but it really comes down to when we have time and uh what happens to be new at that any given time yeah i i mean andrew i i completely empathize with you i don't know if you know this or not but the way that i got involved was i ran kicentral.com for eh, 20 years or so so uh the theme park slash life balance thing is always uh something i i i think i dedicated um probably 30 hours a week to it at at most on top of working and you know going to college for a lot of that time um but you know i wouldn't give it up for anything because i i learned so much from it I, i'm i'm a marketing guy uh and i think that i learned more from doing that than i did from you know going to, to school and getting a degree in marketing, you know, um, uh, by the way, I finally got my diploma framed for those of you okay. <laughs> that was sitting in an envelope in my, uh, in my closet for, you know, well, 15 years or whatever. And, uh, I finally got a frame for it the other day. So go me, I'm finally a grad. Uh, but, um, but yeah, yeah, I completely nice. understand where you're coming from and I can attest like this, it's so much work, but it, you've got to be so dedicated to it. Um, but that being said, though, you, you do have a lot of really, really good content um, and you interview a lot of people from within the industry. Um, let's talk about some of the most recent ones you did. Uh, who are some of the industry people that you're, you're that you've interviewed recently that you're most proud of and articles that you would want people directed to? Yeah, and, and I think there's a. Uh there's kind of a twofold answer to this question because obviously in addition to coaster 101.com, the website, uh, with the written word, um, mid pandemic, uh, we got tired of baking bread and we have our own podcast now. So a lot more of the interviews recently have been on our podcast and kind of, you know, bringing people from the industry outside of the industry, um, just a different audio, um, audio medium and a, you know, a different content medium, if you will. Um, but I can think of recently just on the podcast this past week and a cheap plug for the coaster one Oh one podcast, if I'm allowed to advertise my podcast yeah. on another podcast, <laughs> um, but I, sorry, <laughs> I will, I will pay for this, this sponsored that content airtime. I promise. <laughs> uh, um, but I actually was able to interview my cousin, Abby Bish, who is the chief strategy and development officer, I'm sorry, chief experience and strategy officer at the uh, Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. And that is the um, world premiere location for the Disney 100 exhibition, the museum exhibition that they're doing to celebrate the 100th anniversary. So I got to talk to her, which is really cool. Um but I think just there are people in this industry and, you know, with as many connections as I've made over the past 10 years at this point, um, there are people who I really enjoy talking to um, in the industry. You know, people like Adam Sandy with Zamperla. He's been on our podcast a couple of times. Um, Don has actually been on our podcast. Uh, we talked Coaster Stock a couple of years ago. Um, 
but yeah, I just I, Dave Cobb is another one who comes to mind, and this was one of our earlier earlier podcast episodes. But Dave was the creative director for Men in Black: Alien Attack at Universal Orlando, and it was the only interview I've ever done that we had to break into two separate shows because we just we sat there for three hours and just shot the stuff. And just had a great time just talking about his career in the industry, which is obviously far more than Men in Black. But we that's one of my favorite dark rides of all time, and I got to just geek out with the guy who created it. And we're, we're sitting there and we're talking. This was around the ride's 20th anniversary in between the 20th and 21st birthday. And so we're talking about if there were to be a Men in Black cocktail to celebrate the ride's 21st birthday – being that it can legally drink at that point, what would that cocktail be? And so we're just, you know, coming up with things like that. Um, that's an interview that will always stick out to me. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's anybody else that really uh, sticks out. And right now they're not coming to me, but I will probably like have a eureka moment here in about 15 minutes and be like, oh, I also <laughs> interviewed so and so. So keep uh, keep you on your toes there, but yeah. I think one of my favorite things about Coaster 101 is getting to talk to people in and out of the industry and just kind of tell their stories, tell the stories of their companies and the projects they worked on and things like that. It's just everybody has a story, and it's really fun getting to be so the person to, to, to tell um, uh, To clarify, I believe David Cobb also was chief of design for Paramount Parks as well. I think he did. Italian job stunt track, maybe Tomb Raider. I'm not sure if he was there for that, but he was there in the kind of the late Paramount era. Uh, and I think he's an independent yep, designer that, now. That's correct. correct. He probably has his own thing going now, right? He is. I believe he's, uh, as far as I know, he's not as much in the industry proper anymore. I know he's working on some kind of um, different entertainment options i don't think that's really my news to tell but uh if you dig deep enough on linkedin you'll find a lot of good things yeah andrew you know to have the kind of content that you're able to to produce on coaster 101 with these interviews and some of the behind the scenes uh type things different events that parks are doing you have to have great relationships with a lot of people in the industry how did coaster 101 or how do you go about uh, cultivating a lot of those relationships so you're able to provide that kind of content I I am a lot like uh, both you got both you and Ryan Don. I I come from a kind of a marketing communications background. That is my my full time role. Is I'm in communications. Uh, obviously, grew up in marketing, and the way I was able to cultivate these relationships is I built a level of trust. Um, you know, I can have conversations with people in the industry and I can be like, listen, you don't have to worry about me leaking news. I don't, ha I'm not going to go on Reddit or Twitter or say, you know, whatever I'm, I'm here and coaster one and one is here. And I mean, obviously we try to be as much like media, true media, actual, you know, print journalism. Um, not somebody with a YouTube channel who thinks they're media. I'm that's another conversation. You do a whole podcast day. on that. Couldn't we? Uh, Yes, and I, I think you guys did did kind of early on. I feel like it was the uh, relationships with Parks episode seven, maybe. I don't know. It's it's somewhere early in the catalog, and I really, really yeah, yeah. It was an episode, episode involving so influencer wanna... marketing. 
uh, and Don kind of gave, especially from his position within uh, his experience within the industry, kind of the parks perspective, because that's the beauty of my dynamic with Don is because I, I was, I was involved before the influencer thing, but I was on the outside looking in while Don was on the inside, you know, trying to find where he can leverage the outside so that, that we worked together very well for a decade, you know, and now we're doing this, but yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. And I'll add to what Ryan was talking yeah. about too, you know, me being on the inside, you know, I was on the outside for a long time too. And I was able to build up that trust with uh, a number of parks and, you know, they would share with me things they were doing. Now, this was before, you know, social media really, you know, came about and YouTube and all that. But, um, you know, it's really important, you know, that that they know that you're, you know, you're not going to leak a lot of things. Uh, you're going to keep things, you know, confidential until the right time. And and I can tell you, you know, you, you mentioned Coaster 101 and it's got a great deal of respect throughout the industry. And I think it, it, it really is a, a tribute to the way that you and your, you know, the team there at Coaster 101 has gone about it. Yeah, I think, again, for me, and it's it's about the professionalism that we try to kind of carry ourselves with. Um, we treat this, again, um, albeit not like a paying job, but we treat it like a, you know, a real job. And, you know, a lot of these parks, um, I, I kind of, I give them the line, which isn't really a line, but it's kind of a, a philosophy. It's, you know, we exist in the business of everything is supposed to be fun. You know, we're never going to be hypercritical, um, but we're there to help be an extension of a park's marketing communications. You know, if a park wants to talk about a food festival, we will go to that food festival. We will eat the food. We'll tell you how it is. Or, you know, a park brings out a new ride. We will go. We will give you the honest story. I mean, I, I think back to you know several years ago at carowinds they had this ambassador blogger program that um chris foshi who was the uh, digital marketing manager at the time he was kind of trying to get off the ground and chris and i we we never really interacted very much prior to this blogger program and it was i had started at coaster 101 right before fury kind of went through its construction announcement all that that was the first ride i really got to cover from announcement to media day and you know i was at media day i the first ride for whatever reason i got walked on media day and it was able to ride later but it was just really i you know i said you know my legs are larger i'm not faulting the park for this but you know chris is he's creating this ambassador blogger program and i will i joke about this with him um but he picked nine what I'm going to call mom bloggers. And they, they write things like, Hey, make sure you go to the Chick-fil-A inside the park. And again, nothing against Chick-fil-A inside the park. Uh, I think there are better options. Again, another, I don't think that is an option there sure. anymore. Um, <laughs> it's not. So I, right. I rest my case, but I was the only amusement park that, you know, Carowinds, at that time was kind of working with as this blogger program. And I took that as a little bit of a badge of honor. So I wasn't going to, I was going to work hard for, you know, that process. And I knew they could, there's a ton of people on the internet who do or try to do, I will say, try to do what we do. And there are a few who do it very well. And then there are others who are in it for the stuff and they're in it for the access and they're in it, for the tours and the 
ERT and all this other stuff. I, for me, it's about relationship building. And, you know, I've started that, I've built that relationship with Chris and it kind of extended to other people in the Cedar Fair uh, chain, chain at the point. And it's, to me, it's all about the relationship building because without the relationships, you don't have any of this. You don't get to tell the stories. And if you get a bit of access because you're professional and have proven yourself to kind of have this level of professionalism that you won't leak and you're not going to be, you know, uh, pro- pardon the expression, you're not going to be a jackass when you're in the park. I, I think that goes a long way with a lot of these parks because every day there's somebody new who thinks, oh, I can do this. Oh, let me start a website. Let me start an Instagram. Let me start a YouTube channel um, because that's how I'm going to get invited to media events. And fortunately, um, you know, we've built up this reputation over the past 18 years now um, that we're going to provide, again, fair coverage, uh, thorough coverage. And, you know, some of our best work is we've got the Coasters 101 series on our website that is written by guys with engineering backgrounds who understand CAD software, who understand the physics, who understand kind of what go into this. And I know there are like educators who use this information in their classroom. So we're not just your run-of-the-mill blogger. We're never going to hit you with clickbait. We're never going to tweet things. And, you know, I'm not going to name websites. You guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you know who the the uh, aggregators of clickbait in the in the industry are, you know, we're going to try our best to, you know, give you the best content, um, cover the parks in a timely, fair manner. And, um, you know, we're going to have some fun with it along the way. But I think, again, none of this happens without trying to build relationships at the parks to, again, maybe get a half step up on somebody else who doesn't have that relationship. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you and I need to get a beer sometime because you're telling my story. You're just uh, about seven years behind <laughs> what I did before I, I, you know, before I, I took my exit. And by the way, left KI Central because I was involved in uh, my own LLC, which was consulting in the industry. And somebody uh, within the industry said that they were uncomfortable with that. And I kind of took that as a, as a sign. So still love them, still contribute, still consult with them all the time. Uh, but yeah, you make some interesting points. Um, and it's probably more prevalent now, uh, on like the Facebook groups than it is, uh, with the websites, because I, I do remember, and Don, you have to remember this is, you know, we had our thing going and then we were massive, just, just huge. And, you know, it wasn't every day that, uh, you know, somebody from the news is calling for quotes and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, every three months or so, somebody would spring up with a different like offshoot variation that was half built. And it's like, we do what they do. So we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go to media day too, or whatever. Um, but one thing that you have to, uh, understand, and I'm sure that, well, Don, you probably understand it from your perspective, but Andrew, that you, you definitely get this now is that when it comes to things like, let's say haunt media day or a new rides media day, um, it becomes less of, Oh, I get to ride this ride one day before everybody else. Uh, the journalistic spirit kind of kicks in and it's more like, I need this time to do my job. I, I need to be able to go through all eight haunted houses. So, I can write about it and I can speak to it and, and things of that sort. So, um, yeah, totally understand where you're coming from, but when it comes down to it, uh, time is on your side. That's always, that's usually a good thing. 
unfortunately there are certain things like uh, especially like youtube channels where they have a good thing going they have a good thing going they start adding to their staff and then people ruin it for them and then the reputation's gone and then what happens next is questionable you know um but that's why always have a really good filter between who works for you and who doesn't (laughs) that's life advice if there ever was one so um you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, websites and stuff like that, I, I remember one of the things that I always considered a threat was when entities started coming onto social media like Facebook. So not only did people have Facebooks, but parks had Facebooks and there were groups and stuff like that. Um, so really had to leverage that in order to drive traffic to the website. What what are your strategies for using social media to drive people to coaster101.com specifically? Yeah, I uh, I think it's important for us. Um, you know, anytime an article posts on our website, it hits a it hits Facebook and Twitter through Hootsuite or something like that. John manages a lot of the back end automation on that. Um, but I do know, you know, if there's an important article. I, I'm going to use uh, several years ago, it was this uh, month that King's Dominion announced the closure of Volcano. And they did it by burying it at the bottom mm. of a blog, which it was it was there. And I, I saw it, you know, kind of come across Twitter. And I was like, huh, I should probably write about this because nobody's really talking about it. And that was one of our busiest site days of all time for years was just because you know, we put it out there. We, we didn't editorialize. We said, King's Dominion has announced they're closing volcano. Here's some background of volcano. Um, for more information, check out the blog. Here's a picture of volcano. And we tweeted that out and it, it just, it kind of, as social media does from time to time, however, the algorithm decides to work with or against you. Um, that one just kind of caught fire. And, you know, but to me, it's like, we always Facebook and Twitter are always there's going to be content that comes from there. And Facebook is one of our, our biggest aggregators of traffic, you know, or causes for traffic aggregators isn't the right word, but we get a lot of our traffic on social media from Facebook. And we, you know, we are constantly pushing out articles that aren't necessarily as current, but we're kind of resharing articles that are maybe a little bit more evergreen, you know, uh, during COVID, for example, when there was next to no news, um, I went on RCDB and I curated this kind of these lists of fastest coaster in each state or longest coaster by each letter of the alphabet. Um, list that you know people could find if they really cared, but it's this type of stuff like that that really does gangbusters in a time where there might not be as much fresh and exciting news and things to cover. Um, so I think the the constant sharing of both new and old articles is a good way to drive traffic to the website. But I also think it's important for our social media, and I can speak a lot to Twitter because that's one of my favorite social media platforms. It's important for the social media to kind of have a little bit of personality of its own. And I think giving a brand of voice um, – as it relates to Coaster 101, you know, we can we can talk about roller coasters. We can talk about the people who uh, considered certain roller coasters when they added a couple more feet to be a brand new credit. Um, Don, oh, you yeah. know what I'm talking about, but uh, so. Um, but 
you know, we can, we can just kind of, we can have fun with people. We can, again, just be ourselves a little bit. And I think, you know, a lot of people have, you know, their personal Twitter and their, you know, their job Twitter or whatever. And to me, the Coaster 101 Twitter account is kind of my looking glass into fans of the industry and the industry itself. Uh, we build up a really good rapport with uh, several parks on social media. And it's it's kind of it ebbs and flows uh, depending on the um, whoever's writing the content for a park at a specific time. And I know there's there's been really good uh, social media managers in the past um, who have kind of they've, – they've been willing to play along a little bit. And they – you know, I don't want to name names because I'll obviously forget somebody. But if you're if you're listening to this and you know who I am, I know who you are, and that's how it's going to work. But they would they would play along, and you know, you build this rapport, and you know, somebody like Dorney Park, for example, I don't know who's running their social media right now, but they're having fun with it, which is great. And you know, for a park like Dorney that isn't getting a new coaster every year every other year every 10 15 years or whatever you happen to believe on the internet uh from the local uh proceedings and i swear nobody can manage local government uh websites better than coaster enthusiasts i'm like trying to click in and find these meeting minutes and things and they're like boom here it is it's on reddit it was on reddit half an hour ago (laughs) whatever (laughs) but i i think I think it's important to have that personality and, you know, without the personality, you're just somebody who kind of, again, just aggregates links and, you know, you've got to give people a reason if they're not super interested in roller coasters, they can, you know, come to you for a witty pun or a dumb joke or something like that (laughs) in the same time. Yeah. I'm on the same page with you that, uh, you know, Twitter is my favorite, uh, social media channel again, cause you can have more fun with it. Um, I, I think it's more interesting you know, to see the different thing. I also like that it's more immediate, you know, if there's different uh, breaking news, yes. whether it's sports, theme parks, you know, whatever that I'm interested in, it, it it's right there. And I, I see it come up where Facebook, I'll see articles come up that I would have liked to have known about three days ago when it came out, but it, the way the algorithm works, it didn't pop into my uh, feed until, you know, it was after the fact. So um, definitely Twitter, you know, it's interesting with my Twitter, I have people that follow me because of, you know, they want to know about theme parks and stuff. I have people that follow me because they like that I post, you know, about hockey or other ones, maybe because of Bucky's. But then I get the ones that if I'm tweeting about uh, hockey, the theme park, you know, fans that follow me are like, why aren't you? why aren't you tweeting about theme parks? If I tweet about theme parks, the hockey fans are like, we need more, more, we want to see more hockey stuff from you. So it's, it's fun to play with them that way too and kind of balance, but you're right. You can have more personality, a lot more fun. And, and I really love it when, when, parks don't take themselves too serious on on channels like twitter a hundred percent and you know another one i mentioned yeah. dorney park um uh, don you and i both know uh kyle who's did mm-hmm. uh, king's dominion now and he's kind of he's taking those channels and he's he's putting his personality into it which i am loving and it is um you know it's always fun to kind of interact with the parks especially when you know the people kind of on the other end of the keys um that's always fun for yeah, me. Yeah, and he's doing a great job there. You're right. Uh, definitely has added some personality to that. Dorney Park doing a great job uh, with it. But, uh, you know, back to Coaster 101 here. You have opportunities for uh, people to join your team as writers. What are you looking for? If someone wants to write for you, I mean, what do they need to bring to the table to be considered for the team? I I think they need a, a passion. And, you know, we, we are... 
uh, kind of like Ryan was saying, we're we're particular about who we kind of bring on to kind of join our team. Um, obviously, geographic location is important. Um, if you're in an area that we are not, uh, that is a benefit to us. And, you know, I'm in North Carolina, kind of cover North Carolina, Virginia, um, and anywhere else, really. Um, we have a guy who's typically in New England, but he's down in Orlando now at the Disney College program. Uh, John, who runs the site, is in Nashville. We've got a couple of guys in Ohio. Um, you know, Nick, who does a little bit more writing, and Kyle, who does a lot of our graphic design and graphic work. Um, we've got Eric out in California, and we've got, you know, Mike in, or, you know, the Central Florida, not really Orlando, but he's close enough to the parks. Um, but he also, you know, has a wife and two kids and then we've got larry up in michigan who's got a you know a job he's super busy with so it is it is the you know we look obviously for writing quality um we don't really want to have to edit your work um you know you gotta you come at it with a way that's entertaining kind of fit our writing style that is um again informative entertaining things like that if you're in a geographic area uh, but really what it comes down to is the passion. Um, all of us, again, we don't write for a theme park blog because we want to get rich. And I mean, we're not in the the YouTube where we can, you know, fund ourselves and have YouTube be our full-time job. I mean, all eight of us are in a situation where our full-time job is not theme park related. Except, I mean, Shane right now is doing the Disney College program, but he is he is working at the park, but... I don't know if that's what he's going to do the rest of his life. Um, so it is it is having that passion and being willing to kind of, you know, learn, enjoy the industry and not come at it from like a, you know, we're not never going to be the people, like I mentioned, who are leaking the blueprints or, um, you know, taking what whatever these other websites do. Again, I'm not naming names, but. You know, leaking blueprints or leaking plans years and years in advance. We're never going to do that. And we have, we're all fans of the industry. We know this stuff goes on, but that's why we have a private writer Facebook group where we can say, hey, don't put this on the website because, you know, we respect the park and we kind of want to work with the marketing departments on this. Um, and then at the end of the day, you've got to be able to kind of mesh well with the eight of us. And, that's really what it comes down to. We're we're a the way it was put to us one time, and I love this quote. And then the person deleted it right off of social media. Uh, several years ago, we did a writer meetup at Six Flags Over Texas, or not Six Flags Great America. It was going to be Six Flags Over Texas the following year, and then COVID happened and ruined everything. But uh, we put the put a group photo of the seven of us at the time. This is before Shane joined. Uh, next to one of the like the postcard signs at Six Flags Great America that said Six Flags. And it was the first time that all seven of us had been together and ridden roller coaster at the same time. Really cool. Again, being kind of remote as we are. But the person on Facebook who commented this and then really quickly deleted it said, looks like a really normal group of guys. A rarity in the coaster community, I'd guess. Or I'd say. And we... To this day, we find that just hilarious. But at its core, we're we're not the most hardcore coaster enthusiasts. Again, we we all love the industry. We love riding roller coasters. We love traveling around. But we're not going to just be like other. I 
I don't want to, again, talk bad about enthusiasts because I really enjoyed the episode you guys had with Elizabeth and Ace. But there are, you know, certain enthusiasts out there who have kind of a stigma, I think is the unfair way to put it. But they they act a certain way and they they, you know, react a certain way when things happen. But for the most part, the eight of us are all just really easygoing and we're we're fanatical but we're casual in our fandom if that makes sense you know we we know but we're never going to be the loudest person in the room to tell you that you're right or wrong and you know again writing location ability to kind of mesh with us and passion for it i know this is a long rambling answer but that i could have answered (laughs) in five words but um yeah i think that's really what it comes down to. andrew i like the people that will choose to use 720 words when five will do Yes, I again. That's the, that's the purpose of this podcast. We're not going to talk for five minutes because then I'm a really, really. But then again, guest. Don's the guy who infamously once said, "Why make billions when you can make millions?" Okay, that didn't land. Anyway, um, so you know, <laughs> what well, we we talked about how you know you you don't want to be the the people that um that leak blueprints and whatever, but you know, I can speak from experience. So can anybody else that's kind of uh theme park adjacent, shall we say, uh, where sometimes you do come across uh private information. Um, where do you draw the line as far as, uh, not upsetting the park with releasing information, but at the same time, getting your readers the best possible, most up-to-date information as early as possible. I think the best and most accurate information is going to come from the park itself. And I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm, I'm looking at Don and the other, Mm -hmm. the other camera lens and uh, he's, you know, kind of in that role. But again, I think we exist in a way where if we can work with the park, it's going to be better for all involved. And I mean, so we'll, we'll draw that line. I mean, we can say things like I'll go back to when uh, Copperhead strike was being built at Carowinds and everyone saw the crate in the parking lot that said mock rides on it. Meanwhile, we're in the middle of a, just a weeks long analyzing every teaser that they're putting out um, with a general idea, because we know where to find the stuff just like everybody else does. And if there's blueprints out there, somebody's got them. So if you look at it, but you can, you can play along. There's no harm in playing along. And Again, if people really want that information, it's out there. And, you know, I'm not, this is, this is me talking personally. And again, not talking bad about anybody else who does this because everybody has their own kind of niche when it comes to this level of content, but we're never going to be those people. And we don't have to be those people. You know, people come to coaster one Oh one because of the coverage we provide, not necessarily the coverage we don't provide. If that makes sense. Um, I just think that again, if people want to find that information, they can find it. You know, they can learn how to decipher a, the Pennsylvania County, uh, government planning commission website. And, understand blueprints i don't understand these things i look at it from a marketing communications background and i want to say okay here's this thing that's going to happen what are they going to do with it and i i enjoy the journey more than uh instantaneous information that makes a lot of sense there um andrew you have a lot of great content 
on your site. You have a pretty good following. Uh, does Coaster 101 ever do any kind of uh, things like meetups and that at uh, different parks? We do with our, our riders. And again, the eight of us, we're, we're all pretty tight. We, we connect on a you know monthly basis on a, a Zoom or a Teams call. Um, I will say the good thing about Coaster 101 is we have this following but we don't have like an identity, like a recognizable face. Um, like somebody like a Taylor Bybee, for example, again, past guest of the show does really good work, but you know, when Taylor's at a park, people know Taylor's there. People are going to go up and talk to him. Same with Sarah, same with, you know, a lot of people. The thing about coaster one Oh one is most of us just don't put our face out there and you know, we'll wear a coaster one Oh one shirt at a park. We've had people come up to us at the past, but we don't need to be, we don't need that level of attention. Like we're, if you want to hang out with us, great. And if you want to come to a park with us, great. I mean, we kind of, if we're at a park, we'll, we'll usually, you know, nine times out of 10 tweet and Instagram and Facebook and stuff through the day. So you'll know we're there, but you, it's not like we have. I don't think we have this rabid fan base that a lot of other uh, personalities have. I know there are, again, that's the Don, if you're out in, in Kings Island, people are coming up to you. They're like, Hey, we want to hang out. And I'm one of those people. Cause like, that's what I would want to do. But I, I don't have that level of fandom or people don't have that level of fandom for us. You know, there's the handful of people who I know listen to every podcast episode and like everything we put on Twitter. And we appreciate that. But at the same time, it's not like they're saying, Hey, um, you know, where can we buy your bathwater or something like that? It's like, that's a terrible, terrible, terrible joke, but like that we don't have that level of like rabid fandom. So we, we've, you know, there are other organizations who, you know, do meetups and things like that. And, you know, more likely than that, we're just a, we're more likely to kind of jump into a coaster stock or a coaster mania or some other event that a park or an enthusiast group puts on and we'll show up at that. And, but we haven't really done anything that's like a meetup centered around us. You know, I, I know the, uh, the guys from, Coaster Radio, they do a really good, you know, they've they've been on the air as long as we've been a website. And they have a really fanatical, rabid fan base and things like that. They do a great job and they have their meetups and a you know, a bunch of people show up, have a good time. I just don't think we're there yet as having the the face and identity and the um the diehard fandom that would like necessitate it. Cause the last thing you want to do is say, Hey, coaster one one is going to have a meetup at Carowinds. And the only person who shows up is me. And that's just embarrassing. Sounds like my eighth birthday. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Andrew, we appreciate having you on the podcast. We'd love to have you stick around for our uh, next segment that we do. It's called the pick six. But before we get to that, uh, tell everybody where they can find Coaster 101 on the different channels. Yeah, we are at Coaster 101 pretty much anywhere you can consume uh, social media. So that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Like I said, we're not great at video. We're trying to be better. Um, but 
again, all of those social channels, it's Coaster. And if you can't spell Coaster at this point listening to the podcast, I question it. And then the number one, the number zero, and then the number one. Uh, also, the website Coaster101.com. Um, again, spelled the same way, C-O-A-S-T-E-R 101.com. And again, another cheap plug for the very creatively named The Coaster 101 Podcast. Uh, comes out mostly on Mondays, but sometimes on Tuesdays. It depends on when I get to edit it. Um, available anywhere you listen to the Attractions Group Podcast. But not on YouTube because, again, we we just kind of hide our face sometimes. You know, there's a podcast I listen to about cell phones because I'm a nerd and I listen to a podcast about cell phones where they do a YouTube version, but half of them have the camera off. Is that weird or is that just me? I <laughs> One of my favorite podcasts is two comedians reviewing chain restaurants. So I don't watch the the video version. I think they've started doing that. But it's like I love just weird goofy content like that the the cell phone podcast i don't know <laughs> if i could get behind but the um do you i mean you guys do you prefer to listen to, i don't really want to hijack your show by taking this off the rails or anything but do you prefer if you're consuming a podcast do you prefer to listen to it or do you prefer to watch it well for me i prefer to listen to it because it's often going to be when i'm driving somewhere you know uh, especially like a long me distance too. if i'm going from you know cincinnati to tennessee you know i'm certainly gonna gonna listen to it but uh, depending on what the show's about, you know, I certainly like the ability to, to watch a video of it. Yeah. So I, okay. I would say that I'm kind of 50, 50. Uh, so if, if you're looking for your particular podcast, like if you're thinking that you might be missing out by not doing YouTube, um, that's a possibility. Uh, I will tell you that for my personal preference, uh, some of the podcasts I listen to, I actually, uh, sometimes I listen on Apple podcasts and sometimes on YouTube because I'll watch it, but I'm, I also listen to YouTube in the car pretty often. So it's tantamount to it. Um, the reason why we specifically decided to do the video thing is because we plan to do more stuff like this in the future, more videos. And, and this is kind of more of just a jumping off point. So we figured we would take the pain point early on. Um, although, you know, watching, watching the YouTube video has gotten better over time with, you know, my ability to edit and our, us being able to cut cameras and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. But, um, uh, I, I think that, uh, if you plan on adding theatrics to it, then YouTube would probably be a good route to go eventually. Um, the cool part is though, is if you've got podcast listeners, you can always transition them into YouTube listeners as well. Cause you've got a grounds to plug it. You know, we started from zero on all accounts, but yeah. So anyway, uh, no, you're you're totally fine. Uh, so uh, obviously the next segment is uh, one that's very interesting and it's going to be particularly pertaining to you because this involves the the news of the day when it comes to uh, theme parks. But before we get started, um, a lot of people have been asking us how they can support the show. Um, they've been asking if we have a Patreon and stuff. We do not have a Patreon. We may do something along those lines in the future. But uh, what we do have is we've got uh, an account at what they call buymeacoffee.com where if you want to, you can throw us a couple bucks to help support the show. You don't have to do that. I'm not asking you to do that. Some people have asked how they can support the show. That's a way to do it if you want to. No pressure, no hard feelings if you don't. Totally cool. But anyway, without further ado, it's time for the pick six. Okay. All right. So the first story of the day is from Knobles. Golden Ticket Award in many accounts, but they're adding a, adding a... Now, I might get the pronunciation wrong. 
because I always thought this was called a Bavarian curve for the longest time, but it's a Byron curve. Is that correct? Andrew, do you know? I think it's a Bayern, like Bayern Munich, like yeah, a Bayern. Bayern. Okay, Bayern. I'm, words are hard, I have to admit. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, they're adding a Bayern curve, which is a high-speed flat ride that kind of seems like a coaster. It's like a circular kind of deal. Um, but, you know, looking at their, their announcement, it's a 32-passenger ride that can reach the top speed of 70 miles an hour, which is just incredible for what you're looking at. Uh, it, this ride was originally manufactured in 1963, uh, and there are only three operating in existence. Don, what are your thoughts on this? You know, I'm real excited about it. Uh, you know, Kings Island had uh, that attraction, you know, when the park first, uh, well, it was, came in a couple years later, but uh, it had that for a number of years there. One of my favorite rides. I think it is the perfect fit for Knobles because they have all those, you know, classic, you know, amusement park rides. So I, I think it's a great fit for them. I think it's going to be very popular. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I, I was doing a little research on the Byron Curve, and apparently, according to Wikipedia, um, you know, the last one to open that has a known opening date was um, like 1994 hmm. at Kennywood, and it that one recently closed in 2020. But this is not a it's not an attraction that you see very often, um, and you know, this is. And again, I'm seeing the Wikipedia here. This one is apparently a hybrid of two former attractions. Uh, one was at Fun Spot in Fun Spot in Angola, Indiana, and the other was a Swiss Bob from Amusements of America, which is a similar attraction. I think this is going to fit Knobles perfectly. And I rode the one at Kennywood several years ago before it was um, removed in 2020, and. I got a. I have a hot take here. This is amongst the coaster credit counting individuals. This could be a coaster credit if you really, really were a diehard. I want everything to be a coaster credit because I believe there is a period of time where it does coast. Um, and if if you're counting the the skyline attractions, that's see. I told you there would be somebody who I would forget that we interviewed in the past. The guys from Skyline are great. Um, I know you've had them on your show as well. Um, but if the Skyline Skywarps can be considered a roller coaster, I feel like the Byron Curve is just as much of a roller coaster. But again, another topic for another day uh, as to what is a coaster credit and what's not. But I've never actually been to Knobles. It's one of my really embarrassing theme park blind spots. And I don't know if this would is the reason that I will go up there. Obviously, um, you know, the food and the coaster lineup and all that other good stuff will kind of outweigh this. But I'm excited because the rides are just fun. And I don't really like rides that go around in a circle. But Byron Curve is, they're, they're very fun attractions. Yeah, I agree with you there. Right. Number two uh, is a Peppa Pig theme park. It's celebrating its first birthday celebration. Andrew, what are your thoughts on that? I am not the target demographic for this theme park. Uh, I am a childless 33-year-old, and, you know, I'm very excited that, you know, this park has made it a year down in Central Florida where it is very difficult to um, have a lot of staying power unless your name is Disney Universal or SeaWorld or Fun Spot. Um, and I know that's not in Orlando proper. Um, what I really want to do is go down there, and I tried to go during my 
um, most recent Orlando trip a couple weeks ago. And my younger brother, who, you know, he tolerates my coaster enthusiasm for a little bit. He's like, I'm not going to Peppa Pig theme park so you can ride one roller coaster and leave. And, you know, Daddy Pig's roller coaster, again, it almost won an award for best new ride of 2021, 2022, whenever, 2022, because that would be one year. Um, so I'm really excited that, you know, Zamperla's coaster division is continuing to kick off. Um, but the seven or eight attractions here, I don't think I would uh, personally ride or fit on any of them as a uh, childless adult. And I, I'm wondering even if they would, you know, let me in the park just to ride Daddy Pig and leave. But uh, again, I'm I'm happy for them, and I think you know this micro park is a really good kind of experiment and case study to these, you know, these micro and smaller amusement parks that are starting to pop up around the country. Um, but congratulations to them for making a year, making it a year. Um, just next time. A, put it a little bit closer to Orlando, and B, give it an IP that doesn't make me look creepy when I say, hey, can I ride the Daddy Pig well, coaster? Uh, maybe. You know, if you got young kids, though, it's... it's, it's uh, so, you know, that's it's, true. It's a lot of fun if you got young kids, I'm sure. My understanding is that this is Absolutely. adjacent to Legoland. Is that correct, or am I, am I wrong? Okay, great. so yes. it is pretty far from Orlando, but, I mean, Legoland didn't really choose its own location because that was... Um, Cypress Gardens, which which was Cypress really cool. Gardens. Um, yep. So, I had to Google what Peppa Pig was when I first heard about this a couple months ago. I, it was probably a year ago when it opened, actually. Um, so it's child's IP from I believe the United Kingdom. Um, my nephew is about two, and he makes this grunting noise, and my my sister says that he got that from Peppa Pig. So. If anyone knows what that's all about, then comment on this YouTube video or tweet us at distractions underscore GRP because I'd love to to know more. <laughs> all right, how? I I've got a uh, I've got a group chat with some of my friends who do have children, and uh, they sent a link today from the Guardian in the UK, and it says U.S. parents say Peppa Pig is giving their kids British accents, and the Twitter account No Context Brit says the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's a, it's this so. it's the third well, no the fourth British invasion because we had the Revolutionary War, the War of eighteen twelve, the British invasion of the sixties and seventies, Peppa Pig. I'm still mad about the first three. <laughs> oh my god! And I, and we've got this fascination with the royals now too, which is just uh, shout out to the Harry and Meghan documentary on Netflix. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, anyway, speaking of royals, let's talk about uh, Walt's original Magic Kingdom uh, over there in Anaheim. Um, so Disneyland is going to be debuting San Francisco. That's how they're pronouncing it. Uh, San Francisco Square in 2023. Uh, it is from the movie. I had to look this up. Big Hero 6. Uh, and it's going to have iconic things such as the, uh, you know, the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge, as well as different cultural things from Japan. It's going to have different offerings and stuff like that. Uh, Andrew, are you a big Disney fan or are you more of a coaster guy or both? I, I'm, I'm both. I will say, you know, it, as Disney fandom goes, um, I'm not the world's biggest movie watcher. I think my favorite Disney film of all time is the 1994 yes. called classic heavyweights. Um, so 
I'm really mad they have never put that into a park, but I've never seen Big Hero 6, and I know this is a, um, you know, this is an area of the park. There's no attractions in Disney's California Adventure in the Pacific Wharf that they're retheming, and I think they're keeping the the bakery tour, the Boudin, what Boudin Bakery, Boudin. Yes. I don't know how to pronounce that word. I guess you get free free bread there, and uh, everybody loves free bread. But I have no idea anything as it relates to Big Hero Six, to San Francisco, and I've only been to Disney's California Adventure one time, and that was I was kind of speed running it that day, uh, just trying to get the hit my highlights and then get on the road. Um, but I I'm always here for you know, plussing up areas. And even if we're tying literally everything in a theme park to IP these days, um, I know there is a definite subset of families and theme park fans who will really enjoy this. Don, do you have any thoughts on it? I just think, you know, as a guest, even if you, you know, you you haven't seen the movie or anything like that, I think it's kind of cool. Anytime you can be transported into the world of animation. So I, I I'm looking forward to this. I completely agree. And you're right. You don't have to have seen the movie. Uh, case in point, I've never seen a Harry Potter movie, but I love Hogwarts and all that stuff at Universal. And I know the characters from the rise rather than from the movies. Moving on. Uh, the Rock and Roll uh, Roller Coaster, it's closed for rehab at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, thoughts on that, Ryan? So, um that's this has been rumored for quite a long time that they're going to do this. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily clear if Aerosmith is sticking around. Um, I think that if if the ride were rethemed or redone, that really wouldn't hurt my soul as much as it would with any other ride at Disney because I think that while the experience is cool and I know what they're trying to do, um, I think the ride is very lackluster and I think that it's um kind of just like a really nice version of any other launched indoor coaster. Um, but with that being said, uh, these things happen. They go through rehab. They're probably replacing piece, pieces of track and trains and fixing up scenery and all sorts of stuff like that. So um, I'm glad they're doing it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if it became like a Star Wars or Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever, that, that wouldn't bother me at all. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I I... You know, I love this ride. I think it's a really good um, thrill ride, which Disney kind of lacks in that department. Um, obviously, Tower of Terror is right there. But, you know, at its core, this is a roller coaster now that is almost 25 years old. It runs daily. I mean, it probably needs some a little bit of TLC. And that's always the constant rumor is the only rumor I feel like that's more constant for Hollywood studios is they're going to build the monsters Inc door coaster, um, the suspended, whatever it is. I mean, I feel like I've heard that for as long as I've been riding for coaster one one and probably years before that. Um, my favorite rumor that I've seen with this, and I don't know if it's a rumor as much as it is wishful thinking by, um, fans of nostalgia would be to get rid of G force records, get rid of Aerosmith and put some D- Disney IP in this and bring in Powerline from a goofy movie. You know, the two, the two or the limos can play either eye to eye or stand out. Um, you know, there's a scene in there where Goofy does the perfect cast. I mean, I think it's it. The, the story writes itself. Um, 
But that's armchair engineering at its finest, and I really have no idea what's happening. And I'm sure really, you know, when it opens later this summer, it's going to be the same thing. Um, and they'll find a way to have reimagined or re-engineered the pre-show film. So Steven Tyler, um, you know, looks like Steven Tyler now, maybe. I don't know. They deep fake it. I mean, the, the, the Disney... Uh, exhibition at the franklin institute they've deep faked walt so they feel like they could deep fake aerosmith and have the the same thing happen yeah it's one of my favorite rides uh you know at disney world you know love it a lot of fun um but you know i'm also someone that you know if they do change it you know i i think you know you respect history you talked about it being around for 25 years people you know that's all they know is that's always been there uh so i think you know you always want to respect history but you can't revere it and sometimes you have to do the updates and maybe that's going to happen here it's it's a it's an original park attraction, just like Splash Mountain was an original park attraction, except it wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but Splash Mountain was accepted as an original park attraction. It very much wasn't, though. Um, yeah, yeah. So it looks like I'm outnumbered here. Uh, for me, it just it just didn't hit me in the feels. The the ride was fine. I'm not saying it's uncomfortable or anything like that, and it's fun. Um, but you you kind of hit the nail on the head with my thought. It's right next door to Tower of Terror, which is the greatest Tower ride of all time. So when, when we're talking about a deeply immersive themed ride with cool elements and stuff versus a well-themed indoor roller coaster, it's kind of hard to get excited about it. That's just the way that my brain works, though. But my brain does not work the same way as most people, according to most uh, doctors. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving right along. What do we got next? Oh, my gosh. So we're talking about Super Nintendo World again. So Don, of course, gave me this one because I'm obviously excited about it. but. Super Nintendo World opened uh, this past Friday, as of the, this recording, at Universal Studios Hollywood. So that marks the second location, the first one being in Japan, I believe. But uh, the CEO of Universal, Mark Woodbury, uh, said what everybody was thinking. And he said, like, this is the worst kept secret uh, in the theme park industry, but Super, Mar uh, Super Nintendo World will be coming to Epic Universe. Uh, Epic Universe is scheduled to open in 2025, I believe. Yes. Um, and then, so right now, um, they've got the Mario Kart ride, uh, which I think is called like Bowser's Fury or something like that, or the Bowser Challenge or whatever, which I've seen plenty of footage of. It looks completely awesome. Um, I grew up playing these Nintendo games. Andrew, did you grow up playing Nintendo or were you more of an outdoor kid? Because I was totally a fat kid playing Nintendo. No. I was an outdoor kid, but I also played a lot of computer games. I mean, I think my first system was the Super Nintendo, and I have now the the little mini like SNES yes. Classic is what it's called that has some of these Mario, and it's got Super Punch Out, and I haven't played it in a while, but that was the one thing that you know this land opening made me want to kind of dig that out and and play it for sure. Um, but yeah, I was a, definitely a Nintendo kid growing up, and then kind of pinged back and forth between Nintendo and PlayStation, and then eventually Xbox. So I've hit most of the systems Absolutely. at this point. Absolutely. Dom, what are your thoughts on this? So, uh, you know, we knew we kind of predicted this was coming to Epic Universe. We talked about this before. Now it's official. Chat me yeah, up. Yeah, I'm very excited about it, uh, you know, especially after seeing some of the, uh, you know, the photos and videos from the, the uh, past weekend opening out in California there. You know, you get even more excited about it, you know, just how well-themed and everything it is. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be great. And, you know, you mentioned Epic Universe, Ryan. Uh, 
looking at some videos and, you know, again, some photos of that that I've seen on social media, that has really come a long way since we were there in November. Yeah, they, some sort of mock rides dueling coaster got topped off the other day, I guess. Do you yeah, know anything about yeah, that, Andrew? So Do you, are you following Epic Universe? Um, I am following it from the uh, camera lens and the helicopter of BioReconstruct on Twitter. Uh, the occasional looking at Orlando Park Stop. Um, plugging websites right. <laughs> that aren't mine. Um, again, I, we're not the website who does these things. We just know where to find them. Um, I'm following it. I'm excited. Um, and I, but I feel like, you know, he said this was the worst kept secret. And I could have sworn when the first um, Nintendo Universal thing was coming, like back in 2016 or whenever. Yeah, this is um, this is November 2016. I'm looking at Coaster101.com. It said Nintendo coming to three uni- Universal Parks in the coming years. And so they announced this in 2016, and I guess everybody forgot about it. Um, but I, maybe I guess that they've said it's coming to Universal or Epic Universe rather than, you know, Universal Studios Florida, because I guess Kid Zone for the longest time was supposed to be the uh, the chopping block scapegoat for Nintendo until they decided to build that third slash fourth gate, depending on how you Yeah, uh, the my understanding is um, that the original intention, bef- maybe it was before Epic Universe was finalized, was that Super Nintendo World was going to go where uh, the Woody Woodpecker stuff is. Uh, but then they changed it to um, to the fourth gate, the third gate, I guess. Uh, let's not co- include Volcano Bay since it's a wet park. But um, yeah, you know, you, when you talk about a worst kept secret, they announced it. <laughs> right. It's it's if it's coming to Universal Orlando Resort, um, there's only so many plots of land in the two existing dry parks where you could put this thing. Um, you know, there are lands that you could completely retheme and kind of gut kids owed being one toon lagoon being another um but i'm i'm most excited for this um this donkey kong coaster that we've yet to see at any of the parks uh kind of the boom coaster concept which is another thing that uh i saw we were going to talk about this and so i pulled up the article that uh nick my co-writer wrote in 2017 right after they uh had the um patent and the, the first thing you see when you see this thing is this is going to be the minecart carnage level from Donkey Kong Country on Super Nintendo. And I'm so excited to kind of see how this works in practice. I know, you know, the sideways track has a little bit um, a little bit of a resemblance in the patent to like the new fireball up at Adventureland in Long Island. It kind of has that sideways track where you've got a, a, a vertical ride vehicle, um, you know, in Fireball's case, it's coming out of it, but uh, in the Donkey Kong, it's going to be above the track. Um, but I think I can't wait for this thing to open. It's going to be years before I'll be able to ride it because it's just that's how wait times at these Orlando parks work. I don't know if I'll ever be able to ride Tron or Guardians or anything anytime soon just because, A, I'm not down there, and B, I've yet to figure out boarding passes and reservations and how these things – Genie Plus and Genie Double Plus, Super Plus – whatever it's called lightning lane all part all part of the experience yeah yeah confusion confusion is now part of the experience yeah so uh i think i remember uh reading an article about a patent where they're going to have the cart from the perspective of the people on the midway there's going to be a broken section of track and the cart's going to jump it did you read something about that yep that's so cool Mm -hmm. awesome yeah very excited about it uh as i discussed with don 
uh, growing up, that was a Nintendo kid. Mar Super Mario Brothers three was was my favorite. Um, I've got a Switch now. I just bought it like three weeks ago, and I've been killing it. Um, cool, awesome. Moving on, number six. The final pick six is Wild Adventures, located in Georgia. Uh, they've announced a concert series for 2023. They've got uh, I think Rio Diamond Sticks, Ario Speedwagon. Andrew, what are your thoughts uh, when concerts and parks come together? Is one here? I um, it's really funny that you guys brought this up as a topic because John, guy who runs our site, he was down at Six Flags Over Texas last weekend, and he was up in their Sky Tower Observation, Oil Derrick, whatever I believe that park calls it. I don't know. Um, and he you know, took a picture of a, what I believe to be the old Batman Stadium or some amphitheater that's in the park, and it's like, why do so many of these parks have these amphitheaters that never get used? And you know, it turns into a big debate on... Ticketmaster monopolizing entertainment and big acts going to arenas and, you know, amphitheaters in the vicinity. You know, Charlotte, for example, has the Palladium, uh, has only hosted, I believe, one concert in, you know, my time of covering the park in the past decade. So I think it's really cool when when parks do these. I know Disney Disney does their you know Eat to the Beat concert series during Food and Wine or Flower and Garden or one of their festivals. They do it. Um, obviously, SeaWorld with their food festival, they've got some concerts. Um, Universal during Mardi Gras, they do it. But to see a, a smaller park kind of have the um, have these acts, and um, I'm not going to by any means. This is not being fair to the acts who I know are tuning into this podcast. Um, I wouldn't call them A-list acts at this point in time. Um, you know, Sticks obviously big name. T.I., I, I would be very excited to see T.I. perform the Beach Boys, Ario Speedwagon, who were just at um, SeaWorld the other weekend. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy, also very funny. So I, they've got a def, a really, really unique and eclectic mix here. And I'm, I'm seeing, uh, bare naked ladies coming to the park in July and, you know, they're universal, uh, Mardi Gras regulars and whenever universal does concerts. So I love when parks do this again, wild adventures is not a park I've ever been to. Um, I can't say that a TI or a bare naked ladies concert is going to get me there quicker than a roller coaster would. Um, but it's something for their guests to enjoy. And these all appear to be included, you know, with a season pass or a park ticket or things like that. And, you know, I will say just because the artist isn't big right now, um, I work for a company and we put on a lot of, uh, concerts, uh, associated with, uh, motorsports. I think I can say that at this point. Um, you know, last year we, produced a concert for Flo Rida at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. He performed at their, uh, like kind of the speed street festival and you go into it and you're like Flo Rida. He doesn't really have a ton of songs, but then he plays every song he's been on and been featured on that aren't necessarily his discography. And that was a heck of a show. So I think, you know, TI, he's going to kill it. Uh, bare naked ladies, they have a ton of hits, even if they just play the big bang theory theme song and, you know, one week and call it a day. I think that's a, uh, a very solid show in and of itself. And then, you know, who doesn't love the song, Mr. Roboto. And then you also have come sail away. So it's, these are going to be fun concerts at wild adventures. And I'm really glad that there is a park that is not Disney universal or SeaWorld who is able to bring kind of these, uh, 
these bigger acts. Bush Gardens is another park that will, you know, they'll they'll bring the uh, acts from time to time. But you know, for a smaller regional, you know, Hershen Park to kind of have these um, these acts and these level of name recognition acts, and I mean, it's not just you know local talent. Basically, it is a list of name brand acts who aren't necessarily um, bonded to a uh, Ticketmaster or Live Nation venue. So that's really cool. Yeah, and to Andrew, see. for what it's worth, uh, Wild Adventures has one of the finest outdoor concert venues in Southern Georgia. I'm I'm betting it might be one of the only fine outdoor concert venues in Southern Georgia, but point point made excellent yep theme parks and concerts it's circling back around you know awesome well so andrew do you have any final thoughts any words of wisdom coming from uh coaster 101 don't leak blueprints and ruin the efforts uh, didn't of marketing think you're going that direction Thank with you. it but <laughs> <laughs> sorry no i'm uh i'm just i'm happy to uh to have you guys on um you know, the one, the one question that I was, I'm not going to ask the question for myself. I was really excited to kind of talk about my, you know, favorite coasters and favorite flat rides and things like that. But maybe that can be like the next time. Yeah, we I could do that. Uh, we, we were, uh, Don and I always have a contingency plan and it's like, okay, if this goes shorter, if it drags, then we'll, we'll pull that out. Um, and it didn't, you had plenty of really good insight. And, you know, I think that a lot of people, cause there's so many people involved in, fan sites and Facebook groups and stuff like that, YouTube channels that uh, can really t heed your advice, first of all, and secondly, empathize with what you're saying. So you, you had a lot of really good information, so I appreciate it. Don, do you... Absolutely. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you guys Don, for having what's me. Your, uh, what are your final thoughts for the day? A lot of good insights, I think, uh, provided by Andrew in terms of, you know, uh, I would say the, the right way to run a fan site and, uh, you know, just the way they go about uh, cultivating relationships. You know, I really appreciate the insights. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Once again, we can be found uh, in your favorite podcast apps uh, or on YouTube. So if you're listening to one or watching one, then you can find us on the other if you want to. Uh, Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. Link for buy us a copy to support uh, the podcast in, in the uh, description. Also, we'll have Andrew's uh, website, social media, and so on in the description of both YouTube and the podcast app. So give him a look. He has some fantastic content. That's coaster101.com. So thank you everybody for listening and sticking with us till the end. And we will see you next week. <laughs>